right, listen, I have Miss Lisa Borders, who was the fourth president in the WNBA at one point. I remember calling you auntie because I just felt that type of connection. Um, can you just talk about what it was like being a president in the WNBA with a lot of players where it really felt like we were a family? Yeah, love that, love that. Great to be with you, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. And I still want to be auntie girl just because I'm not the president yes. anymore. It doesn't Come mean, on, you know, we're not breaking up the family. So let me just say this, coming to the W was a dream come true for me. And I remember meeting all of you, you and 143 of your sisters. And every time I gave a speech, I would say to folks, I have one biological son, but I have 144 daughters. And I meant that because it made me feel closer to you all. And it seemed that you all felt closer to me. So anytime we were celebrating, it's easy. But when you're going through hard times, you need your family, right? You need everybody close and need everybody to understand what you're trying to get done. So it felt amazing and it still feels amazing. I have opportunities like this because I met you then. I love it. And so you're no stranger to, to Black excellence. I read that you were an undergrad of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, and we salute the divine. Yes, ma'am. We salute the divine nine. My family went to an HBCU. So when we talk about HBCUs and their importances, we've never, they've never been under-talented, always underfunded. And I don't know if you saw, but Morris Brown just recently got granted their candidacy to be accredited again. But can you talk about the importance of just picking up the HBCU community and also the importance of the community in general? Absolutely, absolutely. So my parents both attended HBCUs. My mom was an AKA at Clark, which is now Clark Atlanta University. It was Clark College then. So I am a legacy AKA sister. Uh, that's number one. My father attended Morehouse and he was a second generation, my brother's third generation Morehouse. And then my father was the physician at Morris Brown for like 30 years, Renee. What? They used I... to have a building called Borders Towers and it was named for my grandfather, William Holmes Borders Sr. So Morris Brown, if I recall correctly, is the only HBCU that was actually started by black people. Yeah. Most folks don't yep. know that but yes. it was and so super proud of the progress that they've been able to make and yes i just read too about the reaccreditation bringing them back into the fold so that they can educate our students so let's be clear in days where african-american students could not go to majority institutions like this is what we did we had our own and we went to those schools. We stand on the shoulders of ancestors who went there, who were educated there. My father also went to Howard University to get his MD. There were two black medical schools, Howard and Meharry, and they put out some bomb physicians. My dad, first among equals. So I ain't mad. I'm always trying to lift up HBCUs yes. and the graduates. And listen, AKA and all of the black sororities and fraternities came out of HBCUs. These are service organizations. We're yes. taught that at a young age and the expectation is we will always pay it forward, period, full stop, no conversation. Hey, period, full stop. And you know, that made me think, I've heard you tell the story about as the generations changed in your family and you went from, what was it? What was the line? I loved it because I love that line. 
Girl, we went from the chauffeur seat to the executive suite in two Come on! <laughs> Tell me about it, going from the Girl. chauffeur seat to the executive seat, because that's goals. Anybody knows they, that's goals for you want to change your family's legacy. So tell me about how you did that with your, how your family did that. Listen, I am so grateful to the Coca-Cola company, but more importantly to the grandparents who came before me, my maternal grandfather worked as a chauffeur at the Coca-Cola company for one of the first presidents, Mr. Arthur A. Acklin. So my grandfather, Harlan Thomas, started at Coke, get this Renee, 1929. Okay, wow. for those that are not students of history, that was the year of the stock market crash. This is Atlanta, my home city. Coke is headquartered here. So for this tiny little company, I mean, people look at Coke today and they think, oh my God, the Coca-Cola company. But let's be clear, it was this tiny little company in Atlanta. So 1929, he started and he worked there for 30 years, 1929 to 1959. His wife, my grandmother, Rosa Keaton Thomas, was a maid. She worked there for 15 years. So between the two of them, 45 years of service, which allowed my mother and her sister to be first generation college at the HBCU Clark College then, Clark Atlanta Clark University. Talk about it. So for me to have the opportunity almost 50 years later, 2013, I think is when I went to Coke, 50 years later, two generations, and to serve as a senior executive, I had the privilege of running the Global Foundation. To be able to do that, particularly with the history of Coke and the history of Coke and my family was remarkable. So I had the privilege of working there. So I'm like one of the bookends. My grandfather started it and I tried to finish it up is what happened, but an amazing, amazing company and an amazing opportunity. I mean, if that ain't goals, I don't know what is. That story gives me chills every time because history is important. And if I remember correctly, you were involved in bringing the Atlanta team here and as a part of, and that, that started my history because as you know, now I'm sitting here and I'm a vice president of the team and, and owner. Say what? Say you, what? Listen, but you brought, you had a, a hand in bringing it here. Tell me that story. How did it happen? Yeah, so I am so thrilled that you are one of the co-owners, Renee. You have made history and you're continuing to make history. So kudos to you, so super happy for you, but damn proud of you, girl, it's amazing. But this all started in 2008 when I was vice mayor of the city and president of the city council. Donna Orender, one of my predecessors as president of the league came to Atlanta and invited us to bring a team to the city. Now, let me back it up and explain this a little bit. Shirley Franklin was mayor of the city of Atlanta and anybody who knows she's a bad girl, she's a little, little <laughs> thing, but Renee, little piece of leather, but she's well put together and she never <laughs> ever took any tea for the fever. So Donna actually invited Shirley to this lunch and Shirley called me and said, hey, I can't go to this lunch. I got to work on the budget. Can you please take the meeting? I'm like, can I take the meeting? I love basketball and it's about empowering women. I'm all in. So I go to this lunch with Donna. 
she lays out the case for a W team talking about the resources that we have in the city. We've got 18 colleges and universities to draw from. Basketball has deep roots in Atlanta. She makes her case. Renee, I was, I was like, we'll take one. We'll take one. We'll take one. So I get myself together. I go back to City Hall. I go over to Shirley's office. I was like, Mayor, Mayor, check this out. I just told Donna Orinder we take a team. She's like, you did what? <laughs> I told you to take lunch. I didn't tell you to take a team. What a are you talking team. about? Oh my God. She's like, what are you talking about right now? She's like, okay, I got you. I understand this is what you want to do. We got the budget. We've got to take, you've got to take point. You committed to that. Wow. So you got to take point. I'll support you, but I can't lead it. I got to do this other stuff for the city, which is appropriate, right? The mayor's yeah. the only full-time person in terms of elected officials. We put together a group of women called the Circle of Friends. I literally leveraged my personal Rolodex. And many folks who know this story know that Stacey Abrams was one of the first people that I picked up the phone and called. Yeah. At the time, she was deputy city attorney, one of the youngest in the country. We had gone through Leadership Georgia together, which is a leadership development program for folks in our state. She's deputy city attorney. I'm president of city council. She and I and seven other women put our group together and said, we're going to put our money together, our time, our talent, and our treasure to bring this team to the city. Now, Renee, I must confess, there were a couple of men at the table, too. Okay, they that's very helpful. They we need helpful. allies. We need allies. We do. We do. We do. So A.J. Robinson, who still today runs Central Atlanta Progress, was one of the key people. But the women were really driving the process. So Stacy, for example, negotiated the arena lease. I was doing all the marketing. It, just, it was fabulous. People like Louise Sams, with whom I went to high school and who at that time was general counsel for Turner, the people at CNN and Turner, TNT and all that. Wheezy and I go back to like seventh grade. So she was in the group. It was a bunch of us. You know the rest of the story. The team didn't exist. There was no name. There was no mascot. There were no tickets. We had to do all of it from soup to nuts. So call us entrepreneurs. None of us had ever done anything like this before. But here's the thing. We all believed in what we were doing, but most importantly, we believed in each other. And oftentimes you hear women don't support other women. In oh. this case, we were flying in the face of all of that. And today, Renee Montgomery is a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, the team we brought here in 2008, making history once again. Wow, I have so many questions. Okay, so you guys even came up with the name, the Atlanta Dream and all of that. Tell me about it. Like, I know the, the kind of history behind it, but talk about the brainstorming getting to that. What were some does that didn't make the list? Girl, I can't even remember because here's what we did. <laughs> we actually crowdsourced it. So think about this. We didn't have social media. Yeah. We didn't have Twitter or Google. None of that was any tool that we use, but we crowdsourced the name. We asked folks to send in their suggestion. Remember, this is Atlanta, the cradle of the civil rights movement. And our yeah. notion here is 
everybody's voice matters. Every voice has value. So pulling in ideas from all across the city and the metro region was something that came very naturally to us. So we invited folks to send in names. Now, I do recall people saying all the names in Atlanta of teams typically are bird names, the Hawks, the Falcons, oh, right? The Braves, okay. not so much, but remember the Braves came from Milwaukee, Hank Aaron mm -hmm. and all that. But folks had all kinds of ideas, but clearly Atlanta and Dr. King is our native son yeah. and all the things that happened during the civil rights era and offering women a chance to be empowered and live out their full dreams, the players and the fans to support them, the dream sort of elevated to the top very quickly wow. and very easy. But it came from, you know, it came from fellow Atlanta citizens is where it came from. What? This is crazy to me. And just so y'all know, this is the first time I'm hearing about all of this. It's crazy. We have to honor that group. I'm, I'm going to get with you after this. We have to honor that group. It's the 25th anniversary. I think it's only right to start looking at the history of who brought it to us and definitely going to be reaching out because, I mean, what a story that all these different names, but it's only fitting that the Atlanta Dream and now looking at what the WNBA did last year in 2020, look at the stance that was taken, led by the team, and then here it comes full circle. The team that you brought to Atlanta then took a stance. They wrote, they wore some Vote Warnock shirts. I know you have a connection to Senator Warnock and Senator Ossoff. Tell me about that feeling when you just saw all of that developing. The numbers don't lie. From your perspective, I mean, that has to be crazy. Oh my God, not only is it crazy, can I tell you, when all was said and done at the end of the runoff, I was absolutely in tears. Let me give you a little background for this. So in the summer of 2020, I was already working with then Reverend Warnock, now Senator Reverend Warnock. We've known each other for nearly 20 years. Ever since he came to Atlanta, he preaches obviously at Ebenezer, Dr. King's church. He's a senior pastor. My paternal grandfather's church is one block away. Daddy King and my grandfather, William Holmes Border Sr., worked together during the civil rights era. And my grandfather was mentor, one of the mentors to Dr. King. So this rich history, we were in a segregated environment in the 60s, but our churches and the people who went to those churches we're like family. So think about just like I am with you and the women of the W, that's how we were rolling in the 60s because we had to, right? And it was the yeah. right thing to do. So I'd known Dr. Uh, King and his family. Bernice is still a really dear friend. The King children were my playmates. So when I saw Reverend Warnock getting ready to run for Congress, I remember talking with him. He called me and he says, I need you to help me. I want you to consider this or that. I was like, wait a minute. Let me help you understand what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to call me and tell me what you need me to do. This is not for me to consider. This is not for me to ponder. This is for me to get myself in gear and get wow. busy and bring everybody else to the table. So I was already engaged along with Stacey Abrams and many others on the ground and far away who were supporting his candidacy along with then John Ossoff, now our senior senator, John Ossoff. Sue Bird actually gave me a call and said, Lisa, can you tell me anything about this Reverend Warnock? 
For those who are listening to this podcast, you know that Sue Bird is the point guard and has been for the Seattle Storm four times. Yep. That's a bad girl. That's a <laughs> bad girl. Well, yes, Sue is like, help me understand. So she's an officer with the union for the players, and she wanted to understand what was happening. Obviously, the dream was in the news then with then owner Kelly Leffler, who had made some comments that run counter to the belief system and the values of the W, but the dream even more so because that was her team. It is no longer, thank God, for Renee and the new ownership group. Sue called and said, said, help us understand who this is. We had a conversation. She's like, do you know Warnock? Are you in that boat? I'm like, girl, I'm paddling that boat. What are you talking about <laughs> in that boat? So she said, can you get us a meeting with Warnock? And I said, absolutely. Let me make a phone call. I called Reverend Warnock. You know, the rest is history. He got on the phone with the Social Justice Council and the women from the W. The women from the W came all in. I did not know about those t-shirts, <laughs> Renee, but when I looked up on ESPN and saw the women of the W on national TV with Vote Warnock, girl, my teeth fell out. <laughs> I was so thrilled that they were in the boat. And subsequent to that, everybody in the league came running and you know the rest of the story. The WNBA was at the tip of the spear to help flip the U.S. Senate and help us get two new senators, a black man, a Jewish man, a young man, a preacher. Somebody needs to say amen to the day. Amen. I saw I said, take us to church, auntie. I'm here for it. And you brought up Sue Bird. And you recently started a podcast called Enlightened, and you had Sue Bird on there. You had Stacey Abrams, Grant Hill. I mean, you had a long list of names, the who's who. But talk about what, why you wanted to start that podcast, why it's called Enlightened. Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for that, Renee. So we started Enlightened because I realized after 40 years of working across sectors, public, private, nonprofit sectors, and industries, I've learned a lot, but I also have a ton of friends and people I respect and admire who also have worked and have learned a lot. And part of every generation's responsibility is to share with the next generation what has been learned. So frankly, Renee, we don't want you doing as well as we did. We want you to do better. So in order for you to do that, you need to have all the tools, all the knowledge, all the information. So really enlightened is about sharing the knowledge, sharing the insights, the experiences that we have had so that you guys can take that information and turn it up even more so, make it hotter in the room for those who are comfortable. It's like, no, you got to get uncomfortable because we got to grow. So being able to reach out to Stacy or Grant, Sue, EDD, I just had a conversation with the CEO of SurveyMonkey, Xander Lurie, he's coming up next. We had a conversation with Charles Hoskinson talking about cryptocurrency, blockchain oh. technology. Girl, it's been- Wait, did y'all talk about NFTs, auntie? Girl, we talked about NFTs and we gonna talk some more because he promised to come back. Okay, so listen, I'm so glad you said that because on Remotely, my the the other co-hosts are my snook which is my mom and my sister and my snook y'all's generation is not really with the crypto the blockchain <laughs> the nfts i saw your caption talking about look if, the, if people have questions like you do check out the chad 
the chat episode. What did you learn? What could you say you learned that you could comfort the older generation when it, and not even older, not that you guys are older, but the generation that's not used to this world. What is something that Chad said that kind of piqued your interest that might pique some other people's interest? Let me just say this. We are old, but we are vintage wine girl. I'll be 64 in November and I'm and so And you look proud. good. Come on <laughs> now. Don't crack. Right? Every day is a blessing. No day is promised to us. So we must learn something, listen, learn, and lead every single day. So here's what I would say about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. This is the wave of the future. So if you want to ensure that your kids know what they're doing and they can be self-sufficient and self-sustaining, we need to teach them to manage their money and what the world of finance is all about. Because Renee, it's like a different language is what it yeah. is. And you got to learn to be fluent and proficient in this language. So as I'm talking to Charles, I was like, dude, he's 33 years old. He's a mathematician by training, but an entrepreneur by profession, he's a bad boy and he's driving this change. The boy co-founded Ethereum, a second generation cryptocurrency. Now he's got Cardano and the Cardano network and ecosystem. Girl, I'm like, I'm gonna be learning this so I can help share it. You better learn that. it. Everybody yes. better learn it. It's the wave of the future. I'm That's like, right. It's, I try to tell my snooker book, a snook, I know you're listening to this. You better <laughs> learn it. It's the way, cause I told snook, hey, what if we started just paying percentages in crypto? And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want that. But that's actually not a bad idea. Not the whole thing, just portions. But, but, Renee, there's always a, already a couple of athletes who took part of their contracts in the NFL in cryptocurrency. Yep. Our NBA owners, I think Mark Cuban is the first to say he's yep. going to take crypto for ticket prices and ticket sales. So I remember, I'm old enough to remember, some of your listeners might not be, when Al Gore, then vice president, was running around talking about something called the internet. And WWW was the World Wide Web. And all the old people, and I wasn't calling myself old, and were like, what the hell is that? Now it is inextricably linked to everything we do. We can't live yeah. without our electronic devices and the World Wide Web. Nobody says WWW anymore. We just talk about the internet. My internet is down. We have turned it into a piece of the mosaic of our lives. So Snook, this is just like the internet and it's coming. It's already here. So get in here. The water is just fine. I love you, Auntie. Yes, thank you. Listen, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me on Remotely. I'm going to be linking up with you. We have to honor the group that brought this to life. It's part of my legacy, my family's legacy at this point, the Atlanta City legacy. So thank you so much for joining Remotely, Renee. Delighted to be here and looking forward to sitting in the Hollywood seats and cheering for the Atlanta dream right alongside you, Madam Co-owner. Come on, come on. Is your partner big boy interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood introducing neighbor to neighbor a california volunteers network that empowers you to take action contribute to local needs and be a part of something bigger than yourself 
Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.